0: This summer, we're studying the life of Jeremiah the prophet. And so this morning, if you have a copy of God's Word, look with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. Book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. We're just going to read a few verses because these verses are so powerful. Book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. While you're turning there, let me remind you what's taking place. Jeremiah has this difficult assignment. His assignment is to tell the people, that if you do not repent, God is going to bring judgment. If you do not repent, God is going to bring the, the people from the north. Later on, he says it's the Babylonians. They're going to conquer Judah. They're going to conquer Jerusalem. They're going to destroy the temple. And for decades, he's preaching this message, and no one's listening. And so we've seen this message, and that's why he's called the weeping prophet, because no one's listening to him as he's giving this message. And finally, they throw him in prison after the Babylonians are surrounding Jerusalem. Look at what God comes to Jeremiah a second time in prison, beginning in verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time, while he was still confined in the court of the guard, saying, Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call to me, and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Pray with me. Father, teach us this incredible principle in this passage that, Father, we will learn to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Jeremiah is in prison. As I said, he's been preaching if you do not repent, the Babylonians are going to come, and now they're coming. And the people just said, well, we got to do something about the Babylonians. We cannot defeat them ourselves. So let's make a treaty with Egypt. And Jeremiah said, no, you cannot do that. You will be destroyed. What you need to do if you want to save lives is to surrender. You are to give up to the Babylonians. Now, that's called treason. And they throw Jeremiah into prison because he's been preaching this message, and he's telling the people, you need to give up. And while he's in prison, God comes to him and says, I want you to buy some property. Oh, and by the way, the property you have that I want you to buy, the Babylonians are on that property. The Babylonians have surrounded Jerusalem. They're going to starve the people out. And God says, buy the property. Now, that's ridiculous. That's foolish. But God wanted it done because, as we saw last week, he wanted Jeremiah to realize this is not about you. It's about the future. You cannot think about just for the moment. You have to look ahead. So, Jeremiah, I want you to buy this property for future generations to show them that they're going to come back and be established. And so, Jeremiah does that. So, now in chapter 33, God comes back a second time. And he tells Jeremiah something amazing. So, here's Jeremiah in this prison, this, this dank, dark, dirty dungeon. And God comes to him. And he says to him, you're going to do your best work, your most powerful work, now. Jeremiah, your most important work is going to be done now. Jeremiah, your most important work that you will ever do, you're going to do alone. Jeremiah, the most powerful work you will ever do, you're going to do alone. Alone. Jeremiah, the most exciting work you will ever do, you're going to do alone. While you're in prison, I'm going to give you an assignment and you're going to do it and it's going to change everything. You know, the title of this series is, is uh, When Your World Falls Apart. What do you do when your world falls apart? This is what you do. When your world is falling apart, When your world is crumbling, you need to be standing on the foundation of God's truth by praying. And in our text, God is going to give Jeremiah some incredible promises that he can hold on to. And the key to all of this is praying. So this morning, I want to look at three things. First, the requirement of prayer. Secondly, the response to prayer. And then finally, the promise of prayer. Look with me. First, the requirement of prayer. Do you know the number one requirement of prayer? It's a trick question. Let me just tell you that. Do you know the number one requirement for prayer? You got to pray. I'll give you a second to write that down. (laughs) Yeah, I know it's obvious. The number one requirement to pray is you got to pray. And so here's God coming to Jeremiah, the prophet, and he says to him, verse 3, call to me. He said, I want you to pray, Jeremiah. This is your requirement. I want you to pray. Someone once said, you can do more than pray after you pray, but you can do no more than pray until you pray. A couple of years ago, they did a study asking evangelicals how their prayer life was going. They found out that 65% of evangelicals pray daily. And the article was saying, this is great. 65% of evangelicals are praying daily. I'm going, what about the 35%? The 35% of those who say they're Christian and they don't pray daily? I mean, how is that even possible? Paul Miller, in his book, The Praying Life, says, if you're not praying, then you're quietly confident that time, money, and talent is all that you need in life. You'll always be a little tired. You'll always be a little too busy to pray. But if you're like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own. Then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you'll find the time. Sixty-five percent of evangelicals pray. That's what they said, but they didn't say what kind of prayer. Was it just a pray before dinner, before a meal? What are they praying? Through the years, I've been amazed. I'll tell sometimes prayer answers, and some people doubt it. My favorite was many years ago in another state. A professor told me, after he heard some of my answered prayers he said at best these are coincidences at worst you're lying he couldn't understand the, the the potential that god could answer prayers but god says i want you to pray and in that one little verse that one little phrase god shows us three things about praying number one he tells us the demand for prayer he says call to me by the way that is not a suggestion that is not a request that is a command In the Hebrew language, this is called as imperative, and that means it is a command. God has commanded, God has demanded that we pray. We have no option not to pray. I mean, when a general tells a private to do something, he has to do it. When the boss tells an employee to do something, that person has to do it. When someone in authority tells you to do something, you have to do it. So, the God of the universe has told us to do something, we need to do it. We are commanded to pray. Now, not just here, but throughout the Bible. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. That is a command, by the way. I command you to pray without ceasing. Without ceasing means without even thinking. That's when you have like a hacking cough, you can't stop. Paul says, I want you to pray all the time without even thinking about it. Jesus, when he was given the Sermon on the Mount, talking about praying, he says, when you pray, he never says if you pray. He assumes you're going to be praying. You know what that means? We are to pray. Not praying is wrong. In the Old Testament, there's a story about a prophet named Samuel. Samuel goes to the nation of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 12, and he tells them this. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. The prophet said, I will be sinning if I'm not praying. When we don't pray, that is a sin. Are you going to look at the other side of it. Is, is praying a good thing? Yes. Well, in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 17, to the one who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is evil. Either way you look at it, if we don't pray, it is a sin. God has given us permission. He says, here it is, you can pray. And God has given to us that permission. Number two, there's the direction of prayer. The direction of prayer. Now, we missed this in the 21st century, but this was amazing in that time period. He said, call to me. Call to me. God says to Jeremiah, you are to pray to me and no one else. Now, again, this may be obvious to us, but in Jeremiah's time period, all the other nations, you didn't talk to the head God. had to talk to one of the lesser gods, hoping the lesser gods could find an audience with the chief god. There was a fear going to the head god. But when we pray, God says, you call to me. Now, there are a lot of people, they they think they have to go somewhere else to get to God. And God says, no, you call to me. God has given to us permission to come to him. God says, you don't, you don't have to go to anywhere else. You don't have to go through some, some, some person to get to me. You come to me. Years ago, I was in a meeting, and uh, there was a particular person, the head of, a, uh, of an organization that they wanted to get in contact with. And one person said, well, I've contacted the person's secretary, and, and she's supposed to get with him, and, and as soon as I find out, I'll let you know. There was another guy in the room, and he said, well, I know one of his friends, and I called his friend, and and he's going to call him, and when he finds out, he'll, he'll let me know. I know the guy. Let me call him now. And I talked to him right then. Why? He's a friend. I didn't have to go through the secretary. I didn't have to go through a friend. I could call him directly. And it was very impressive, by the way, too. Anyway. You know, God says, You don't have to go through anyone. You can come to me directly. You know how He can do that? He sent His Son to die for us. That's how we can have access to the Father. I mean, we're sinners. How can sinners come to God? Because Jesus died for us. During the Civil War, there was a soldier who lost both of his brothers and his father in battle. And he wanted to get permission to leave the army to take care of his mother. And so he requested an audience with President Lincoln, actually got permission to see the president, came to the White House, he had given this pass, but they wouldn't let him in. They said, do you not realize there's a war going on? We cannot let you see the president. He is too busy. The man was was sorrowful. He walked out and he was walking around and this boy saw him. him, He was upset and says, well, sir, what's wrong? He said, "I, I need to see the president, but they won't let me see the president. The boy said, well, come with me. Grabbed his hand, walked him through the White House, and no one stopped him. Went to the Oval Office, and no one stopped him. The boy did not even knock on the door. He just opened the door and walked in. There's President uh, Lincoln and the Secretary of State looking over the battle plans on the desk. The president looked up, and he looks at the boy. He looks at the soldier. He looks back at the boy, and he said, good afternoon, Todd. Can you introduce me to your friend? That was Todd Lincoln the son of the president. He said, Daddy, this soldier needs to talk to you. What happened? He had access to the president through the son. That's how God has given us permission to come to him anytime, anywhere, because of what Jesus did for us. We have the direction of prayer. We pray to God. But he also gives us the dimension of prayer. There's something amazing to this. He says, sometimes we overlook it. He says, call to me. Call to me. He doesn't say, Call to me if it's important. Call to me if it's serious. Call to me if, if you're confused. No, he says, Call to me. Anytime, any place, just call to me. It's kind of like what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Everything. There is nothing too small for God and nothing too big for God. God has given us permission to bring everything to him. That is the dimension of prayer. This is an incredible prayer, that we can bring anything to God without hesitation. Whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind, small, big, it makes no difference. God says, bring it to me. So what's the response? What is the response to prayer? Verse 3, call to me and I will answer you. That's a promise, by the way. God says, not only will I hear your prayer, I will heed your prayer. You know, one of the questions I'm asked a lot as as a pastor, does God always answer prayers? And here's the answer. Yes, God answers every prayer. However, there's a variety of ways he answers them. God answers every prayer you'll ever pray, but there's a variety. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is wait. Now, that's not a cop-out. Please understand, God is our Heavenly Father. He treats us as children. That's what we do to our children. We say yes, we say no, we say wait, the same thing. But those are answers. So, yes, sometimes God answers yes, and that is direct. Sometimes we are going to pray, and God will give us a direct answer. In fact, He may give an answer while we are praying. Remember Samson? Samson, who was t- taken by the Philistines, he had his eyes taken out, forced into slavery. And while he's there, he makes this prayer saying, God, will you give me strength one more time? Strengthen me this is once, Lord, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines. And God gave him the strength at that moment. Yes. Yeah, so sometimes God will give a direct answer. Now, we are selfish by nature, and we want that kind of answer all the time. We want God to say yes to us every time we talk to him. In fact, if we don't get what we want when we want it, the way we want it, we get mad at God. Or we think, well, God didn't answer that prayer. But God's answer, yes, sometimes. Sometimes God says no. That is denial. No is an answer. You know, when our kids were young and, and they were in the car, we were driving, they would say Dad, can we stop? No. Can we stop? No. Can we stop? No. I got I got a schedule. You know they never asked, "Dad, why aren't you answering us?" They knew the answer. They just kept asking. <laughs> no is an answer. Saying no is an answer, and sometimes God will say no. On Sunday nights, when we did the study in the book of Acts, remember Paul prayed to go to certain cities, and God said "No. Or Paul praying God, "Could you remove the, th- this, the thorn in my flesh?" And God said, "No. God will say no." Now whenever God says no, we may not understand why, and God may never tell us why, but we can trust Him. When God says no, He's not being cruel, He's not being mean. He just has something different for us. A good father, a good parent, will say no sometimes. I think James was about three years old. my son, when he was three, he wanted to play with one of my knives. I, I collect knives I collect large knives and and the one he wanted to play with was a Bowie knife about 14 inch blade, razor sharp he's three years old I said no do you know why I said no he did not know why I said no he just thought I was mean James you cannot play with a knife I didn't say oh yeah son, here, go play with your "Eh, eh, eh, friends. no I didn't do that I said no In his mind, he couldn't understand why I was so mean. But I knew. God will say no because he knows better. Sometimes the answer is no. I love what Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, said once. She said, if God had answered all my prayers, I would have married the wrong man three different times. Sometimes God says, wait. That means delayed. Sometimes God says, Wait? The answer is yes, but not right now. The children of Israel in the wilderness, they were going to get to the promised land, but they had to wait for 40 years. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. Whenever God waits, he's being gracious to us. You see, there's sometimes God's going to say yes, but the timing is not right. He wants it to be at the best time. Now, God. Delays are not him saying no. All he's saying is slow. Maybe we need to grow spiritually. Maybe the timing is not right. Maybe he has to work in someone else's life. But God has a timetable we just have to trust. And God delays are not denials. You say, how do I know the difference? You just keep praying until you realize God has said no. Uh, Alex Stone, is writer for the New York Times, did an article on Richard Larson. Richard Larson is an M- MIT research, researcher. He is the world-leading expert on waiting in lines. Can you imagine that title? But well, that's what he does. He studied waiting in lines. He said there's a psychology in waiting in lines. There's a difference in waiting in line at Disney or Universal than waiting in line at the airport. This is what Larson said. The length of our wait is not as important as what we're doing while we wait. That makes sense. You stay in line at Disney, there's always something to look at, something to observe. Go to Universal, something to look at, something to observe. At the airport, there's not. They should add something. He said, what you do while you're waiting is the key. In the same way, when God says wait to us, it's what we do that makes the difference. And what we should be doing is continue to grow and continue to pray. So yes, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says wait. And sometimes the answer is going to be different. It may be yes or wait, and when we get it, it's going to be something we would even think about. I've told the story before. A friend of mine in Alabama told me about one of his friends. His child wanted a new handlebar grips with streamers. Some of you remember that in the old days. $3, and the father said, no. And the son got really mad. Dad, I want this. And the father said, no, no, no. They went to Western Auto Store, and, and the son said, here it is, Dad. $3, can you buy it for me? I want those streamers. And finally, the father went to the back of the store and brought out a brand new bicycle. He says, son, this is, this is going to be your early birthday present. I didn't buy you the handlebar uh, streamers because I knew you were going to get a new bicycle. Here's a, this little child. He wanted the streamers, but the father was going to give him something better. So listen. If the request is wrong, God will say no. If the timing is wrong, God will say slow. If the request is right and the timing is right, God will say, go. But God answers prayers. And then finally, he gives us the promise of prayer. He says, call to me and I will answer you. And then he says, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now, that that word in the New American Standards, it says, I will tell you great and mighty things. Some of your translations might use the word show. In the Hebrew language, it could be be translated to show something, to reveal something, to tell something. Better is to show something. You see, God could have said, I'm just going to tell you, or I'm just going to give it to you. God gives a greater promise. He says, when you pray to me, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to reveal something to you. That word show, to tell, means to make manifest. It means to reveal, to unveil. You see, our prayer life is not a one-way conversation with God. It's a dialogue. God is going to reveal himself to us. The purpose of prayer is not to tell God what you want from him. The purpose of prayer is allow God to speak to you. That's what he's saying here. And then he says this. I will tell you great and mighty things. That, that word mighty is an interesting word. It means uh, fortification. It's the wall around a city. It means something that's inaccessible. God is saying, when you pray to me, I'm going to show you things that are inaccessible to anyone who doesn't pray. I'm going to show you truths and concepts and the wisdom of God that no one will ever know if they don't pray. Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. God says, when you call to me, when you pray to me, I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to show you things you'll never learn apart from praying. The greatest knowledge a person can ever have is the will of God and you will never know the will of God apart from praying. The greatest person you will ever know is Jesus Christ and you will never know Jesus intimately apart from praying. The greatest book ever written is the Bible, the Word of God and you will never truly understand it apart from praying. And God says, if you call upon me, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And show you great and mighty things. It has been said the early church exerted the privilege of prayer, but the modern church has deserted the privilege of prayer. The promise that God gave to Jeremiah still holds today call to me and I will answer. You see, some of you need to pray today. Some of you need to pray to say, Lord, I need you. I've never given my life to Christ. Lord, I admit I'm a sinner. I, I, I believe that Jesus died for my, my sins. I, I believe he put in that tomb and the third day arose. Lord, I confess to you. You need to pray that prayer. Lord, I give you everything. Will Jesus Let Jesus come into my life. You may be here, you may be online. Whatever the case may be, that's your prayer today. No more hesitation, no more excuses. You need to make that prayer. For some of you, you need to pray. Another prayer, Lord, I, I, I know I need to join the church. I've been putting it off. I've been putting it off for weeks or for months or maybe for years. Today's the day. You say, Lord, I'm going to join this church. I'm going to join this fellowship. Some of you need to pray because God's calling you to the mission field or God's calling you to the ministry. And you're scared. And you're thinking, God, it can't be me. And God says, yeah, it's you. And you need to pray, Lord, I answer the call. Some of you, there's a prayer you need to pray, and that is, God, there's a sin in my life I, I can't let go of. There's a sin that I'm struggling with. I'm a slave to this sin. God, I don't want to let it go, but I need to let go. Lord, I ask you to help me let go of this sin. Whatever prayer you need to pray, today's the day. Those of you online, if you need to make a decision today, if you would text the word today at 270 398 and a minister will call you today. But for those who are here, as we begin to sing this morning, as the ministers at the front, just come to the front and say, Today, my prayer is, I need to give my life to Christ, or I need to join this church, or, or I, it's something I just need to pray for. Whatever decision you need to make, we make it today. We stand by your heads. Our Father, when we really start thinking about what you have told us, that we can come to you and pray. Our Lord, our God, our Creator, our King, our Savior, the God who has all power, the God who has all knowledge, you have asked us and told us and commanded us to come and pray. Let us take advantage of it. Let it begin today. Especially, Father, that person who needs to ask, pray, to give their life to you. Speak to us now, Father, in Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen.